Jovita Mendoza is a wife, a mother of three, a business analyst, and serves the City of Brentwood as the District 1 City Council representative. She is also the daughter of Mexican immigrants, whose humble beginnings can be traced back to seasonal farm work picking produce. She received her bachelor's degree from Cal State East Bay and has always been an advocate for groups within her local community. She is now working hard to educate Californians about Senate Bill SB9 that was passed in January of this year. Let's welcome Jovita to the show. Hi, Jovita. Welcome. Hi. Thank you for having me. I am so sorry. I can't believe I said three. I'm like, oh, is there something I don't know? Something I cannot, worse? I cannot believe I did that. I don't, I know two. I don't know why three came out anyway. It's you know, all good. It's all good. So mm -hmm. it's wonderful to have you. And I just want to let everybody know that 110 Magazine showcased you in the March issue, a wonderful article. Did you get a good response from that? I did. I had people email me and go, um, I didn't know you were working on this and I didn't know what you were about. So it it was just nice and not necessarily about me, but just about um, what we're working on, you know, from a state perspective and how it impacts the city. It, it was nice for people who don't listen to city council meetings or, you know, or go to the farmer's market where I was every Saturday, you know, to learn. So yes. it was good. Thank you. Absolutely. Which, speaking of the farmer's market, that's where I saw you. And then I'm like, we need to talk about this and why we started the article. If anybody um, does, has not seen it, they can go online to our archives, 110mag.com. It's on page 44. And of course, listen to this interview because we're going to talk more about this. So let's talk about SB9. Tell, Share with us your take on it. Yeah, so SB9 is one of many housing bills that have passed. I think they've had 67 housing bills since 2017, I believe, and SB9 was one of the ones that happened last year. And in historically in the past, if you want to put a granny flat, an ADU, accessory dwelling unit, in your backyard, you go to the city, we make sure that there's enough room for setbacks, that it fits in with the neighborhood, that it just follows certain rules, like there's enough parking and all of that good stuff. With SB9, the state actually took a lot of that power away from us. It's ministerial. It'll never go to planning. It'll never come to council. It just has to check the boxes. So we have certain things that it has to comply with um, that we could put in. So for example, we want it to match the main house. We want it to have um, some kind of covered parking. And so it's going to follow certain rules but we don't have any say. Like if you just have a tiny backyard, it's there. So you could be almost up against your fence. The setbacks are almost non-existent. So that was SB9. And um, the scary thing about SB9 is I've been watching just as a resident, because I've only been on council for about a year and a half, but as a resident, I'm watching all of these bills happen. And it's just one more thing that the state took away from cities. And that's what we're seeing. And that's the scary thing about SB9. It, I think it's the first one we've really paid attention to, but it's it's one of many bad bills around housing and land use. 
Okay, and then what about multi multi units? Tell me about that part aspect. Yeah, so SB ten was the multi unit. Well, let's go back to SB nine. So okay. SB nine, what it says is you can put an ADU in your backyard, or you can turn your garage into um, an an ADU. So you could essentially have you know one, two, three, because your garage, your backyard, and then your main house. So that would all be three. But then you can also subdivide your lot down to, I believe it's 1,200 square feet. So you could take your lot, subdivide it, and do the same thing on two lots. So where you see one house, you could see up to six. So that's where the multi-housing on SB9 comes. There was also another bill around multi-family dwelling, um, SB10, around transit areas. We don't currently have a transit area, so it doesn't impact us. But you know, BART can go in and build apartments and it doesn't go to the city. They can do whatever they want. So if we were to get BART over off Highway 4, they can go gangbusters and the city can't say anything about it. So is this something that then developers can just start buying up land and putting multi-units on? Yes. So there is a provision that says that they have intent to live in it. I think it's three to five years. Okay. But it's intent. So I could go buy a property, say I intend to live there, build it out under SB9. So take down the one house and subdivide and then have up to six and then sell it. Because my intent was there. I, it just didn't come to fruition. So, you know, circumstances changed. So yeah, we um, there is going to be developers doing that. I think it was Palo Alto saw one right away as soon as the law passed. I haven't heard of any applications in our city yet. Um, we have a couple of the trailers that was before SB9, but yeah, it's you're definitely going to see a lot of investors, I think, taking advantage of it. And nobody really seems to know about this. I mean, I learned when I went to the farmer's market, thanks to you. So mm-hmm. you're out there spreading the word. Uh, why do you think that is that nobody really knows about this? It's. Um, I was just talking to someone about it today. It's such a hard subject matter. It's, I mean, you need a degree in planning to understand everything. So you, it just kind of goes and it goes over my head, right? It's, you don't want to sit there and you don't want to have to study. So you say, just forget it. And you know, that's what a lot of us did for a long time. But um, I think the, it's just a hard concept and there's no one that's going to fund anything to fight this, right? Developers aren't going to help us. Some cities are for it because they want more tax income, you know, so there's really no one to help us. And it's and it's being put forward by the Democratic Party. So the Democratic Party also doesn't want to talk about it. Um, We'll talk about the initiative in a little bit. But when we went live with our initiative, the Democratic Party was told not to talk about the initiative at all because they want radio silence on it. They rather keep us ignorant on the subject matter than having us talking and what is going on. Gotcha. Okay. So it sounds like our neighborhoods could possibly change over time. Yes. Dramatically, right? Yes, they could change. And um, change isn't always bad. You know, some change is good. My concern as a Brentwood resident is our roads, our water, our schools. I mean, schools is not a city thing, but I mean, my kid go to my kids go to heritage right it's like portable after portable and it's sad to hear of kids not even be able to get lunch because there's too many kids and the cafeteria can't accommodate them so our infrastructure is not going to be able to keep up with the population demand it already isn't so it's only going to exasperate the problem in my opinion 
Wow, absolutely. Well, and then the other thing about it is, is we all want affordable housing. Like you have kids, I have kids. We would love for them to come back and to be able to afford a house. And since 2017, none of these bills, for the most part, say have any provisions that demand affordable housing. They lead you to believe they will create affordable housing. But if that's the case, we would have seen that come to fruition. And it hasn't. So um, I often wonder why our legislators put forward all these bills, but never do any post analysis. What's really working and what's not. It just feels like yeah. they're throwing stuff at the wall and seeing if anything sticks. Wow. So SB9, it sounds like this is now it's already passed. Yes. And what you are doing is you are gaining signatures and you need how many signatures in order to. Yeah. So our first round. Yeah. Our first round was going to be about a million signatures. We had 180 days and then um, the second wave of COVID hit in October. So we were ready to go, ready to get out there and it just didn't happen. So we decided to pull back on the initiative and we're going to be back out there and get it on the November, 2024 ballot. So again, we're going to need about a million signatures. What will happen is we will look at the election in 2022 and it's a percentage of the people that voted in that election. So that'll be interesting to see what California voter turnout was. I, we think it's going to be less than in 2024, just because, I mean, in 2020, because that was such a big election, but um, it'll be a percentage, but it'll be close to a million. So we, um, we really need to get out there and start educating people the best we can, like doing interviews like yours and getting people to know what it means. Absolutely. And so the whole goal right now is to get it on the ballot so people can decipher and look and see for themselves and vote on this. Obviously. Yes. So the goal is to guess, um, we will launch, collect a million signatures, get it on the ballot for November, 2024. And then what the, what the initiative says is that land use and zoning issues belong to cities. The state can no longer tell cities how they are to plan. It cannot be a one size fits all because Brentwood is not like Oakland. Oakland is not like Palo Alto. And, and so, and, you know, Southern California were very different. So we just cannot manage land use and zoning the same across the board. Well, I'm thankful that you are fighting the good fight and trying to spread awareness so people can be, get themselves educated and ahead of time. Well, it's already been passed, but at least we still have time to. Well, that. there's more coming. So this year, yeah. the one of the big ones this year. So we gave you ADUs last year, says the legislation. This year, we're going to give you two-story ADUs. So now your neighbor can take their ADU and actually make it two stories. And the city won't be able to say anything about it. And right now we have design standards about what percentage of new developments have to be single family and yeah. two stories so that you get a good mix. Yes. Going forward, we're not going to have a say at all. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. 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 So you have been an advocate in this area, which is kind of what started you down this path, right? Within your own neighborhood. Share a little bit about that story and how that got you to decide to run for city council. Yeah, I think it started um, during the Shadow Lakes rezone. What was that, 2016, 2017, something around yeah. there? And um, I'm a working mom. I work full time and, you know, I have two kids, so I'm really busy. So three. I wasn't. You got three. Just kidding. Uh, yeah, three. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's Casper the Friendly Ghost, is my third kid. <laughs> but um, so I was not as involved in local politics. And I started reading about this rezone on the golf course. And I'm like, how can a company just come and say, you know what, city, your plan doesn't matter. We're going to rezone. And then 
why did council people keep saying yes? It was the other concern, right? Like they keep like rubber stamping everything. And it just, it really upset me. I felt like as a resident, we didn't have a say anymore. So I can remember being in Mexico. I think we were in Cancun. I was on the deck on vacation and I'm reading all of this. And I email um, a woman in Shadow Lakes. I'm like, what can I do to help? And so I created like a door hanger and um, with all the information and had it shipped to her. So that was my first foray into any kind of land use um, advocacy. And then we had Measure L and Measure L was kind of the big one. So I think that area is so that area for anyone doesn't know, it's the area north of Heritage all the way to Deer Valley, west all the way to Deer Valley. That is all um, was the Measure L area. And what they wanted to do there is rezone it because it's zoned for 480 homes. I think they wanted to put 2400. So if you kids go to school there, you're going to know what impact that has. Right. It's yeah. kind of big. So we started with that and um, there's just a group of residents like we were a motley crew of friends that you know, became friends who were all working against Measure L because it just wasn't the right fit. And kind of my role was every time they would send a piece of marketing collateral, I would read it and then go find. And it was a thick um, the application was a thick binder of everything they were going to do. So find where it was true and where it was not true. So if in their collateral, they said, oh, we're going to widen dear dear valley and then i'd go and find it and it's just, no actually it says highly suggested so it's like so that was kind of my role and then i would put that all online and um talk about what the initiative really said and what the bill of goods is that they were selling you so that happened and then um you know i was talking to my husband about everything and he said you know it's just it just made me upset i felt like again i felt like council wasn't listening and they were just build baby build. And I was like, whoa, this is not, I saw the general plan when I moved out here, this wasn't in the general plan. So my husband's like, well, if you're so upset, why don't you run? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to run. And um, I ran and I had awesome support from residents in Brentwood. And, you know, I never, I'm going to be honest, I did not expect to win. I mean, Swisher was running and he's great. He's this awesome, super nice guy. Like he was mayor before and he's, I, I honestly thought Swisher was going to win. And, and again, he's super nice. Um, but I won and now I'm like super excited because I can help. Yeah. Although I can't help as much as I used to because of the state laws and you're going to see a project coming up that's state law driven. Okay. But um, I can help as much as I can. And I really want residents to tell us what they want, you know, do as much as we possibly can around residents' wants and needs. Because a lot of them are transplants and they moved here for a certain quality of life. And I want to be able to continue giving them that. Wonderful. Okay. So you are fairly new, a year and a half into city council as this role. What's been the biggest, what's been the biggest surprise? Oh gosh. I'm sure there's um, been quite a few. <laughs> I know. You know, it's interesting. You and I were talking uh, when I ran into you. It's like, I am not a public speaker in spreadsheets every single day. So it's, um, it's interesting just being in meetings and having to speak. And uh, I, I have found that my idioms are a little like that being Spanish is first language and speaking in Spanish. We use a lot of sayings. So I do that in English as well. I use a lot of sayings and like people laugh. They're like you said, you know, what I think one day I, it was just crazy in council. And I said, I feel like in one flew over the cuckoo's nest and the inmates are running the asylum. And people were like, what? And it's like, <laughs> I have to, I have, I'm, I just need to watch what I say. That's the hardest thing for me. 
Um, and it's just, I feel like I have to be stronger than I ever thought I was going to be. I really have to fight um, everything you see up there. I didn't realize how much negotiation going on. So there's five of us. Yeah. So if I feel strongly about something. When you're hearing me speak, it's for the residents to hear what I'm saying, but I'm also negotiating with my fellow council people. And I don't think, I didn't think about it that way before I was on council. Yeah. But it really is an ongoing negotiation to get three votes for what you want to do. Which is good though, because all of you have a different perspective and mm -hmm. a different background and, and different experience that you can bring to the table and then kind of, you know, I don't know, get, get more feedback from and so that, so that hopefully you can, can come up with a great decision that way. Right. Yes. And I know people complain that our meetings last a long time, but I'd rather have a meeting last a long time and hash it out and be as transparent to the residents as possible than just go, Oh yeah, I'm going to vote this way. Like I, I, and sometimes I change my mind. Right. So it's, you need to sit there and listen to all of the information, yes. like you're a judge or a jury and make your decision. And sometimes you're like, wait, I didn't have that piece of information and I want residents to know, you know, absolutely. Which I've learned that being on different boards, it's like, wait, I just, I was going to go this way. And now that I got this new info, I will go this way. So makes sense. It helps you to make good decisions and, um, you know, just do the best job you can in this role. And I was surprised that you don't really get paid much to do this role. It's a lot of work, right? Yeah. I mean, I work almost every single night and every weekend. Um, I don't like going into a city council meeting unprepared. Uh, I like to have as much information as I can so that I can make an educated decision. I think I just said yesterday, um, someone, I was watching a city a planning, no, it was park and rec meeting. And I watch all of the other commission meeting too, because you learn from every single meeting. Yeah. And if it's going to a commission, it's going to come to me sooner or later, probably. So let me listen to what residents said on their calls, the, the commissioners, what their points of view were, why they made a decision. It takes a long, long time. It's a labor of love for sure. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to transition a little here to, we talked earlier before we got on about these, this empower, empowerment project that you were a panelist. I was a panelist, but not at the same time. You were at Antioch High School. I was at Deer Valley. Yeah. And uh, you got to share your background. Tell, share a little bit about your, your background, just so yeah, so I am Oakland born and raised. Um, my parents actually came from Mexico, from the state of Michoacan. They were 17 and 18, and they worked in the fields. And they got deported. They came back. They got deported. They came back. I think 1970 is when they got their residency. And um, they moved their family up to Oakland, where my dad was like a janitor. And then he was a roofer. So what, my message to the girls that day, which I thought was important, is take every opportunity and learn from everything. And I explained to them when I was young, my dad did not, I think, I don't, my dad did not go to high school. And he definitely did not um, read or write English when I was eight or nine. But he, he got a role where he was like a, an entry level foreman. So he had to write paperwork every night. And he didn't, he couldn't do that. So he would get home and he would make me help him, right? Like how many guys went on the job, what supplies they used, like everything. And I, I learned more about roofing at eight or nine than I think any other kid knows. <laughs> but um, I told him, I'm like looking, like I hated it. Like I hated that I did my homework and then my dad yeah. made me do this. 
But like looking back at it, that was my first job. I didn't get paid for it, yeah. but it really, really was my first job. And it, um, I can remember asking my dad clarifying questions. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's like, well, the girls take every opportunity. You know, the next thing was volunteering um, at, at the, uh, at the church, at their food bank, not realizing that I was as poor as they were. Like, you know, my parents didn't let us know. And like now looking back, I realized we were, yeah. but, you know, taking that opportunity to help at the food bank. And then, you know, just every single opportunity I got, I took it. And um, I switched jobs a lot. I switched jobs every couple of years because if an opportunity falls in my lap, I'm religious. I feel like God has put it there and I have to try it. So my, every single job is going to give them a new perspective, hopefully build their skill set and broaden their horizons, which is important. So that was kind of my key message to the girls. Do every take, take on anything that's put in front of you. Don't sit idly at home just on your Instagram and your Snapchat. Like go out and do stuff. If you're not playing sports, get a job at 16. Start building your professional resume as soon as you possibly can. Wow. I love it. That's awesome. I love your story and the, the advice you gave to the girls. I mean, gaining a skill set is so important. And you, you, you didn't even really have a choice, but you really did gain one. Um, I work with uh, a place of learning and we work with uh, students whose parents are you know, English is, is uh, who don't speak English. Yes. And these are English second language learners also. And they go through a lot more, you know, because they don't have the help that everybody else does. Yeah. And so I really advocate for that. But like you, this, this really empowered you. Yeah, it did. It was, I look back and I'm very happy that we are fully bilingual in my household. And, um, we always worked hard. I mean, if I wasn't in school, if it was summer, I always had two to three jobs during the summer. I always worked during school. Again, like we didn't have a lot. So if I wanted, if I wanted my Z Cavaricis, I had to buy my own Z Cavaricis. <laughs> you know, it's like so you know what I'm talking about. I know. Chess King, remember in the yeah, wall. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I mean, I had to start working young. And and I look back and I mean, it was some, and work is fun, at least for me. Yeah. Like I, I mean, as a teenager, go to work, make yes. friends, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yes. No, so I love I'm hoping they get that out of it and they start yeah. um, looking at things outside of school and out, you know, what can they do outside of their little bubble and, Absolutely. you know, expand your horizons. Yeah. And feeling good about making your own money and becoming, learning to become independent. That's a whole, that's a part of all of that. Exactly. Not depending on anybody, and especially for these girls, you know, not depending on a man or a woman, let's just say. Exactly. Ding, ding, ding. So <laughs> what is your day job? So I am a senior manager of analytics for a wine company. So um, I've so I've worked retail. I've worked uh, Gap Inc. in finance. I've worked Safeway corporate in their finance department and got recruited away by a spirits company. So I've worked for a few spirits companies and a few wine companies. It's it's a lot of fun. I mean, we sell cases every single day. Um, drink responsibly, people. I know I sell it, but I always tell people to drink responsibly. I prohibition was a very dark time in our history. We don't want to go back to prohibition, so um, that's a big message for us. But yeah, I analyze data all the time. I build selling stories for my sales team. I analyze what I think is going to be 
the next varietal that would be growing or the, the, you know, the next format of wine, you know, canned wines are really big. Um, yeah. I'm seeing a lot of flavored wines out there. So like the pineapple and, you know, it reminds me actually back to my twenties, like strawberry boons was really, yeah, yeah. I, I, I feel like it. it's just all cyclical, like yes. flavored wines are coming back, but that's my day job. Okay. Well, that's interesting. I love it. Yeah. And I like that it has nothing to do with the council. They're two, completely different worlds. So I can really pivot, you know, from one thing to another and I don't get bored because I think if it was all similar, I wouldn't enjoy it as much. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm like you. I like to multitask constantly and have my hands and do different things, not do the same thing every yeah. day. So what advice would you give to anyone who wants to consider getting into local politics? Number watch council meetings. Um, I would say watch, 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 because if you get elected, history is so important. And I have uh, some history because I was watching meetings for a long time and attending meetings. But history is so important. Karen Rary, I call her the encyclopedia. <laughs> she knows everything. I mean, I hope to one day be as good as her. But um, attend meetings and participate in meetings. And not because you want your name out there, but because if you're taking the time to care enough, you probably have some good opinions. So tell us what on council you want. And um, and and if you have suggestions on how to get there, tell us, right? Because sometimes people come and they have these great ideas. I'm like, I don't think we can get there. But maybe there is a way we can get there. And I haven't thought about it. Staff hasn't thought about it. You know, for example, um, there is an open space initiative. So in Brentwood, there is a group of residents who want to protect open space. So the golf courses, the parks, the trails. We want to make sure that the state can't come in and tell us, you know what, you have too many parks. you got to build over those parks. Yeah. So um, there's a group of residents who got together and they would have to collect signatures to put on the ballot to protect open space. So they came to the council yes. with this issue and they asked us to put it on for them. So they had already done a lot of the legwork, which was awesome. So that's kind of where I mean, like, you might see a problem. Do you have a solution? Bring it to council because now we can execute their solution they don't have to collect the signatures. All you need is three out of the five votes and we can put it on a ballot for you. So awesome. I think that's awesome for someone yeah. who's going to run. Is you're, You probably want to run because you don't like something the way it's going, I would think. Absolutely. So that's what it is. I love it. That's great advice. I think that's great. And yeah, those, I mean, if you are really passionate about something, that's where you got to take it. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> so regarding what you're passionate about, ourneighborhoodvoices.com is the website. Yes. About that. So ourneighborhoodvoices.com is the initiative to act, to take land use control back to cities because the state took it away from us. So we yeah. want it back. And it is a group. Um, it was Bill Brandon Redondo Beach. He's the one who started it. Um, John Heath. He's an affordable housing um, a construction person. He builds affordable housing and he's all about it. Susan Kandel, who's the mayor of no, she was the mayor. Now she's a council person in Lafayette. Uh, Peggy Hahn, she's down in Yorba Linda. Dennis Richards, he was planning in San Francisco, so he's seen some crazy stuff. So we're all the proponents. And um, and then there's a bunch of people that are helping us. And we really need everyone's help. So if anyone listening to this, go on ourneighborhoodvoices.com, sign up to get the newsletter and find out how you can help. And the easiest thing to help is just keep sharing our posts. Like if you see posts, keep sharing them. So on Facebook, you also have a Facebook group then? Yes, Our Voices. Um, and you can get everything from the Our Neighborhood Voices. Like there's the Facebook page, the Twitter, 
the Instagram. You can get it all there if you want the different platforms. Yeah. Great. But it's, um, we're actually, I told you we pulled back because we were getting the signatures. We're going to go back out soon. And we actually have a big meeting. So work weekends, I have this big meeting on Saturday. All, you know, everyone's flying in and we're going to have a strategy meeting. How do we want to relaunch for the signature gathering? So that's going to be coming up soon. In my perfect world, I would have 63,000 people who all collect 16 signatures each and we're done. Like, <laughs> I don't think that's a hard ass, right? Like, hey, Trisha, can you collect 16, 16 yeah, signatures? Absolutely. You're right. Well, I'm trying to find a way to put them because it's a daunting task when someone says, oh, we need a million signatures. That's yeah, millions a lot. A lot. <laughs> but if I tell you, hey, Trisha, can you do me a favor? Can you just get 16 signatures from Contra Costa County? And you're like, oh, 16, that's not that bad. Like, I just need 63,000 people to do that for me. So that is my goal. We're going to talk about strategy. That's, yeah, this weekend. that can be done. Absolutely. Yes. Well, I appreciate all that you're doing behind the scenes with this. And I mean, I, I looked at it. I looked at the bill myself. I looked at the supporters and it, it's just great to have this on the ballot, regardless of where you stand. We should be the ones deciding this. Yes. Right. hundred percent agree. And so you are such a great inspiration and I appreciate you taking your busy time out to talk with me and chat with me. I'd love to get Karen on here and all the city council at some point oh, yeah. to chat as well. This has been very insightful though and, um, and a pleasure. And we were thrilled to have you in the magazine so you can always you. check out the, go online if you haven't, um, if you don't have your hard copy and you can go to the archives and you can find that and you can read a little bit more and make sure to go to ourneighborhoodvoices.com and be a part of this. And it's been a pleasure, Javita. Thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. Good to see you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Mafe Management is a company dedicated to empowering individuals and businesses in entertainment, special events, talent management, content creation, digital and traditional marketing, and public relations. And working together to turn their dreams into reality. Get one step closer to elevating yourself and your business by contacting hello at mafemanagement.com. Let us empower you.